Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for how you come and you are with us, how you bless us, how you open our minds to understand your word and to be faithful followers of Christ. Lord, help us in this time to really receive what you want us to know. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, let's read together Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This verse we have heard over and over and over again. And I hope it's really sinking into you that it is about the Holy Spirit coming upon us and filling us that allows us to learn the Word of God, to to receive the Word of God, to, to live out the Word of God, to be witnesses for Christ. As I was saying in my children's sermon, there is something wonderful about giving. I, I, you might think about this week as kind of be like a, a week of giving. We're talking about it today, over the next few days in my daily Bible, I'll be talking about it more. And think about this week of giving. What can I do to open my heart, to open my mind, to, to experience in my actions the joy of giving? You know, I've had an opportunity to give in many ways and see people blessed. But probably one of the best ways that, that I see this and, and experience this is when we go to Ensenada, Mexico, and we take the Christmas gifts to the orphanage, and we see these kids open their gifts and the joy that they receive when they open their gifts, and then the joy that we have with them when we play with those gifts with them afterwards is really a wonderful experience. This morning, as we get into Acts chapter, two, uh, Acts chapter 20, we're going to see how Paul's life was not easy. It was very challenging. It was filled with testing and, and hardships and trials. But we're also going to see how Paul was moved by the love of Christ to give to people, give them the truth of God, give them his love, give them instruction. And he really, he gave them what he knew they needed the most. You know, a lot of times we think of giving, we think of giving material things or giving money. But in this chapter, we're going to see that the giving that Paul talks about is more than, than just that, more than just material gifts or money. And so let's be challenged this morning by this message of giving for the Lord. So we read in Acts chapter 20, verses 18 to 19. Remember, whenever you see the yellow, please read with me. When they arrived, Paul said to them, You know how I have lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility. From time to time, I come across people who are very prideful. Now, it's not very difficult to find out who is prideful, right? Because you talk to them, and it's not long after talking to them that, that the focus becomes on themselves, right? Everything they say is about me right? They tell you about uh, how great an athlete they once were or how they, they've done all these great business deals or all these great trips they, they've gone on. Or even if they talk about serving the Lord, somehow it comes back to how wonderful they were in the way they served the Lord, right? And I don't know if you're like me, but I have difficulty being around people like that. I have difficulty listening to people like that where they build up themselves and they build up themselves and it's all about me, me, me. 
and they forget about, what, what about the Lord? What about the Lord who created you? What about the Lord who gave you these gifts? What about the Lord who gave you the opportunities that you have? Where does, where does his glory come in in your life? If there is anyone who could have been boastful about his life, it was Paul. I mean, listen to his pedigree in Philippians 3. He says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. And read with me. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law Faultless. When Paul was a Pharisee, he was very prideful. He was very into himself in many ways. And he had this pedigree to, to lift himself up. But when Paul became a Christian, look at... So he's talking about this after he was a Christian. And he's saying, this is kind of how I was before. But after, this is what he says. As he goes on. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. When Paul became a Christian, he realized what was important. What he achieved for himself, what he attained, the status, the power, the possessions, the, the wealth, none of that was important. In fact, it says, anything that I, have that I gain for myself now, I consider garbage. Garbage compared to knowing Christ, being a Christ follower, and living for Christ. And Paul starts to get an understanding of what life really is supposed to be about. It's not supposed to be about me as much as it's supposed to be about God living in and through me. And so Paul begins to have this understanding, and it's very important that he and we have this understanding. If we are going to be a people who give, as the Lord calls us to give, then we need to have this attitude, we need to have this understanding, we need to have this behavior in our life. So Paul was humbled when he became a Christian, but he was also humbled after he was a Christian by the challenges and the trials and the turmoils and the hardships he went through. 2019, let me read, I just read the first part of a verse for you, now let me read you the whole thing. He says, I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears, and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. Regularly, when Paul was doing ministry, he experienced testing, and he experienced the opposition of others around him. He understood that life wasn't easy, and yet he still served the Lord. He understood that when he served for himself, that he definitely wouldn't be able to do the work of the Lord because he would not have the strength of the Lord. He would not have the power of the Lord. He would not have the wisdom of the Lord. He would not have the guidance of the Lord. He would not have the Lord's presence there with him. And that ministry would be difficult, and in fact, impossible for him to carry out in the way that God had called him to live. And he would not bear any lasting fruit. But he knew that when he humbled himself before the Lord, he experienced the strength of the Lord working in and through him. 
He experienced the joy of the Lord filling him. Even in the midst of all the trials and the hardships he went through, he still experienced the joy of the Lord. He experienced lasting fruit because people were hearing about Jesus and they were giving their lives over to Christ. He saw changed lives. What a gift this must have been for him to see people lost in the world, lost in themselves, lost in their sin, and then they find Christ and they have hope and joy and love and peace. And what a great gift that was to Paul. How blessed he was when he saw people give their lives to Christ. This, by far, for Paul, overcome, overcame any trials and hardships that he faced. Now, it was because of the prideful life that Paul had and the trials that he experienced that caused him to teach with a purpose. And so read with me verse 20. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly from house to house. You know, sometimes we may be talking with someone and we know what we should say to them. We know that would, would be helpful for them. We know that the Lord wants us to say something to them, but we're realizing they're not going to receive it maybe they, the way we want them to receive it. Maybe they're not going to be open to it. And so we, we hold back. But Paul says, I did not hold back at all. If I knew it would be helpful to you, I shared it with you because it was that important for me to do that. I was that compelled by Christ to do that for you. As Paul experienced the grace of Christ being forgiven, even though he had persecuted and killed Christians, he was able to teach about this wonderful grace because he himself had experienced it so fully. And as he experienced it, he was able to share it with others and know that it was something that could transform and change their lives. I hope you experience the, the grace of Christ. I hope that you know that even in the midst of your mistakes and your wrongdoings and all that has happened in your life, God still loves you and God forgives you and God still believes in you. God has great purpose for you, even in the midst of all that you have done wrong. God says, I believe in you, I love you, and I have great plans for you. The promise of God when you experience it, the grace of God, when you experience it, changes your life and allows you to, to live in a way that you never could imagine that you could live in freedom from sin, in freedom from burden, in freedom from guilt. You know, people who do not know God's grace feel torment in their souls. They feel guilt. But in Christ, in his grace, we are we have those removed and we're freed up to experience the fullness of God's love and the fullness of this life that he has given us. As Paul knew what it meant to have position and title, he also understood that that did not make his life meaningful. He appreciated what Christ gave to him because he saw the difference between I had power, I had position, I had money, and now I have Christ. And when I Hold the two together. I know which is better. I know that a life in Christ is much greater. For God has given me amazing gifts. God is a God who gives. And his life was so much more joyful, so much more spirit-filled, so much more empowered to live a great and mighty life for the Lord. And he loved others as God loved 
him. You know, when you experience the love of God and the grace of God, it really changes you, doesn't it? I mean, you really think, wow, this is how I was before I knew Christ, and, and this is what Christ gave me, and I need to share that with other people. I need to give that to other people. Verse 21 says, I declare to both Jews and Greeks, what? That they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul could not imagine holding on to Christ for himself. Paul says, this is such a great gift that I have received. I have got to share this with everyone. I must declare it to everyone so all could know all could know that when you repent and you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he offers you gifts beyond measure. We look at the world's gifts and we think they're better, but Paul, having experienced both, said, no, this by far is better. That you need to repent of your sin, you need to turn to God, you need to receive the forgiveness that Christ gives you. You need to be uplifted and given that salvation and given that joy and given that love and given that purpose. And it's so amazing when you begin to live in that way. If you've ever seen a great movie or eaten at a, a wonderful restaurant or gone on an amazing trip, what do you usually do? You share it with someone, Right? You have such an amazing meal, and you go out and you say, I have got to tell you about this restaurant, and you have to go to it. Why would I tell them about this? Because I want them to experience what I experienced. Or you say, oh, I went on this, you know, I've heard from a couple people, we went on this Alaskan cruise, and it was just amazing. Why do they talk about it? Because they want others to experience what they experienced, Right? It was so great for them, it was so moving for them, that they had to share it with other people so that others would not only know about it, so they could share their joy, but that others could experience maybe it through their telling it, or even maybe someday them going and experiencing it themselves, right? And that's how it should be with us in Jesus Christ. If you have really, truly experienced the forgiveness of Christ, if you experienced the grace of Christ, if you experienced the love of Christ, if you experienced the joy of Christ, then you can't but share it with others. I have got to tell you what I have experienced in Jesus Christ. You need to know this experience. You need to know what Christ can do for you. We cannot hold that onto ourselves. We must give that away. And that was Paul was doing. Everywhere he went, Paul shared Christ with others. You know, life is full of surprises, right? We want to try to organize our lives so that we know what's going to happen. We want to plan out what we think is going to be in our life. But how often does something happen that is unexpected? How often does something happen that we don't plan on? Maybe it's something a um, little smaller, like you go out and you have a flat tire. That really changes your day, doesn't it? Or you go to turn on your car and nothing happens and you realize your battery is dead. That really changes your day, doesn't it? Instead of getting to work in 15 or 30 minutes or whatever it takes, it's going to be another two hours, right? That didn't happen too long ago. Tammy had to work one morning and, and I, when I wake up, I get this, this text that says, my, my tire was flat, sorry, I had to take your car. 
didn't affect her day. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I won't tell you the story of how long it took, but a couple hours later, I finally get to work, right? I mean, it totally changes your day, small. But then there's bigger things, isn't there? Where you have to deal with, you lose a job and you're going to need a new job. Or you find out you have this illness or this sickness that really has to be taken care of. And these bigger issues come in life. And so you think that you know what your plans for your life is going to be. And then all of a sudden this surprise, this unexpected thing comes into your life. And then you have to deal with it, right? But the good news is that God walks with us through these hardships. Paul lived a life of hardships. Every trip he made was another mystery as to how he was going to experience this hardship. Who was going to oppose him? And so he says, in verses 22 to 23, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Wow. Think about that. First of all, I'm compelled to go to Jerusalem. Right? Why? Because I want to tell people about Jesus. But I also know a second thing. Even though I'm compelled to go to Jerusalem, what? I know that I have been warned by the Holy Spirit that prison and hardships await me. Wow. Who wants to sign up for that? Right? If you plan a trip, but you know that in that trip, you're going to probably be imprisoned. Or for, in, in the least, you're going re- to experience great hardship. You're like, hmm, maybe I'll stay here. Maybe I'll just hang out with my friends. We'll go catch the latest movie. We'll go to the newest restaurant, right? I'm not going to go. But Paul says, no. I'm compelled to go. You know what's interesting is that a lot of times when we're dealing through with hardships, when we're going through trials, a lot of times we don't serve, do we? We don't serve the Lord. We kind of back away. We say, let me deal with my issue first. And then when that's all done, then I'll serve the Lord. But Paul reminds us, no, even in the midst of hardships, even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of Opposition, even in the midst of all that you experience, that should be the time even more when you give of yourself, when you serve all the more. Why? Because we're going to hear later, and I'm going to get into it a little bit more, but I'll give you a little heads up, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And in the midst of your trial, when you give, you are actually blessed, even though you're going through that trial. And so Paul says, I'm compelled to do this. Can we say this? Can we say that in the midst of hardships, knowing that it's hard to share my faith with others, in the midst of maybe rejection, in the midst of maybe some ridicule, am I willing to share Jesus with others? Paul said, yes, I am. And I will go to Jerusalem because I know that that's what God calls me to do. And so he gives his reason here. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Right? What was important to Paul? What was important to Paul was to finish the race and to complete the task. And what was that task? To share Jesus wherever the Spirit led him to go. I've never enjoyed running. I don't know if any of you do. 
When I was in high school, I decided to go out for the cross-country team. I don't know why. I don't like running. And, and I don't know why I was surprised, but all of a sudden we're running two and three miles a day to you know, get in shape, right? Because the race we have to run is three miles. And I was like, why am I doing this? I hate this. <laughs> and so after like two weeks, I stopped being on the cross-country team. I'm like, I can't do this. This is not for me, right? Baseball was for me, basketball. I didn't like running. But it's interesting because lately I've gotten into running again. Now that sounds really funny, doesn't it? Because I don't like to run. But I realize that running is really good for exercise. Running is really good for your heart. Running is really good to help you to lose some weight, right? So I started running. You know where I run? I run right here in the sanctuary. <laughs> I run laps around the sanctuary. It's cool in here. It's indoors. It's carpeted. And I started with five laps. And then I said, I'm going I'm to increase one lap a week. I have a health coach through our insurance, and so I was, telling, I was making that goal with my health coach. I said, I'll increase one, one lap a week. And so I was doing it, five, six, all the way up to 12. And then I started wondering, you know, I wonder how far I'm actually running. You know, I mean, because it's hard to feel like you're running very far when you're just running these short little laps. And so I kept increasing and increasing. In fact, I, I did more than one lap a week. I, did like, I started doing like five laps increase a week. And I got up to 30 laps. You know, 30 laps in here is a mile. So if you run 30 laps in this sanctuary, it's about a mile. And so that's what I do now. I run 30 laps every day um, in the sanctuary. I actually got my time down the other, other week, I think, to 8.15. I ran an 8.15 mile, which is decent, right? Decent. So that's kind of fun. So now it's, you know, now it's not, I'm not going to run more. I'm just going to try to increase my time. But what's interesting is that I don't run in here every, every day because I'm only here Monday through Thursday. So the other days, I have to run somewhere else. So I was at my complex, and I decided I was going to run around my condo complex. Outside, on the asphalt, in the elements, right? This is not a joke. I ran about three steps, and I thought, I'm going to stop. <laughs> I, I literally hated it. I, I hated it. I don't know what the difference was between, and it wasn't carpeted, it wasn't cool, it wasn't in, but I, but I kept going. And I knew about two laps around our condo was about a mile. Oh man, it was everything I could do to finish those two laps, right? I had to push myself to finish. And I did. I completed a task I set out to do. And it's gotten easier now since I've done it more, but still, running there is much more difficult than here. But the point is, is that we need to complete the task that is set before us. Maybe you have a goal that God has given you. Maybe you have a ministry that God's calling you to. Maybe you have something that you feel like God is compelling you to do. Whatever the task God has given you, we need to be determined and persevere till we get to the end of that task. And one of the biggest things that God calls us to do that we've heard over and over again is share our faith with others. You may take two steps and doing that and think, this is terrible, this is hard, I'm going to stop. But then you need to remember the words of Paul, I want to complete my task, I want to finish the race well. And that's what God calls us to do. Well, another thing that I started to do is um, I started to play ping pong again. I didn't play ping pong for a while, and right now the only person that I play with is Norman, and uh, about every other, other month, we get together for a lunch, and we play some ping pong. And I don't know if you know, but Norman's very good. 
And I don't know that that was probably the best person to start with in this church, but it was who I started with. And I actually have beaten him a few games, so I feel okay about that. But the, but the interesting thing is, is that I've realized that when I'm playing Norman in ping pong, if I hesitate, like if I think about hitting a shot and then I hesitate, or I lose my focus even for a moment, I will lose the point and ultimately I lose the game. I mean, when I play Norman, I have to be ultra-focused and ultra on my game, and I have to do everything just perfectly right. And then maybe, maybe I'll win the game. Think about talking to people about God. An opportunity comes to us. We resist or we hesitate for a moment. You know, the subject comes around to God. They start talking about their life, some issues they have. An opportunity comes to share something about Jesus. Or maybe they just talk about God. And then we hesitate and we don't take the opportunity. And what always happens? You lose the moment, the subject changes, and boom, you're on to something else. And you lose the opportunity to share Jesus. The, the key is that when those opportunities come, don't hesitate. Don't lose your focus. Share what Jesus means to you with them. Or share, maybe they're going through a hardship, and share how God has walked with you through a hardship and help them understand that God will walk with them as well. Take advantage of those opportunities as they come. See, Paul says, For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. I have not hesitated, Paul says. When those opportunities came, I didn't hesitate. I shared with you the whole will of God. I shared with you what was important. Important about following Jesus, about knowing Jesus, about letting Jesus take away your sins, about Jesus empowering you, about Jesus giving you his love and helping you to feel important and worthy. So many people don't feel that. The self-worth of people is so low for so many people. And we have an opportunity to build them up in Christ. We cannot hesitate to give them what God has for them. And, and then, you know, you might talk to them about church. You might talk to them about reading the Bible. But you need to help them understand why you need to go to church, right? A lot of times you say, well, you know, if you believe in God, you need to go to church. And you need to read your Bible, right? And they're like, well, why? Right? Why? You need to talk to them about the fellowship that is experienced, the love of Christ that is experienced. You need to talk about the truth of God, which helps us to know what is true and what is not true. We need to understand why church is important, why the Bible is important, why they need to be in the Word of God. And when they know the Word of God, whenever the false teaching of the world comes to them, they will know the difference between what is true and good and right and what is false. So that they can stand firm in the truth of God. And they need to understand that God has a will, a plan for their life. A plan that when you walk in this plan, it's like there's two roads, right? This is the will of God. This is the road that you walk on, the will of God. This is the, the road where you're going to feel at peace, where you're going to feel like this is my purpose. This is what God has for me. I'm going to be blessed by God. Or this is the road following the world. And I don't understand why I'm not reaching my goals, why I'm not happy, why I'm not content with life. Why, what's going on? Because we're not walking in the will of God. We're not walking as God created us to walk. And so many people are walking down this road and they feel so lost and they feel so in despair. And, and we have the opportunity to say, but if you walk this road, then you experience the presence, the power, the love, the joy, the blessings, the purpose of God in your life. It's really that easy. 
And we need to share that with them. Paul says in verse 28, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. See, all of us have people in our life that we have a relationship with. In essence, we're a shepherd over them. Maybe they're a Christian, but they're kind of struggling. They're kind of gone astray a little bit. We have an opportunity to pull them back. Maybe they don't know Jesus. We have an opportunity to share Jesus with them. We have an opportunity to help make sure that they are doing what they need to be doing in their life. In essence, we are a shepherd over them. Now, you don't walk up and say, I'm your shepherd, so you know, just, you know, just be aware that whenever you mess up, I'm going to be there correcting you. I mean, you don't make it like a formal kind of, I'm the, sh- I'm the shepherd and you're the sheep, okay? So we need to get this straight. You don't do it that way. You just know God has brought this person into my life to love them, to guide them, to care for them, to encourage them, to keep them on the right track. Paul reminds us to do that, and he did that time and time again. Because if we don't do that, you know what's going to happen? Satan will come and attack. Satan will have the upper hand. Satan is very tricky. He doesn't want us to finish the race. He doesn't want us to complete the task. He doesn't want us to walk in the will of God. He doesn't want people to know Jesus. He will do everything he can to make all that not happen. He takes the things of God and he makes them bad in our life, right? I mean, sex is good. Sex is created by God. But outside of marriage, sex with someone other than your spouse, that is damaging, Food is good. You know, God didn't just make our bodies need food for nourishment. God made us so we enjoy food. But too much food is damaging to your body. Too much of the wrong food is damaging to your body. Relationships are important. We're made to be in relationship with one another. But if there's a person in your life that is more important than God is, then that can be damaging to your body. Life and definitely damaging to your relationship with God. Satan tries to take what is good, what God has created, and he tries to make it damaging to our life. And if we're not in the Word, and if we're not in fellowship with one another, and if we don't have someone overseeing us, then we're going to go astray and struggle. I know that after I leave, Paul says, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Even within the church, if someone's not walking along the will of God, there are going to be people that are going to pull us astray. There are going to be people that Satan is going to use against us. Surprising, isn't it? Even in our own number, Paul says, that's going to happen. I mentioned to you before that uh, I was the high school director at Bellar Presbyterian Church and how that didn't work out. And so I left ministry for a while and I started working for my dad, just trying to reflect upon my life and what God had for me. And I told you that my dad worked down at Terminal Island in Long Beach. And I helped varnish and sand boats and work down there with him. And it was hard work. It really was hard work, especially because most of the time it was in the summer that I did it when it was hot. But you know, there's something special about working hard. And at the end of the week, you know, you get that paycheck, right? 
And you look at that paycheck and the money you received, and you said, I worked hard for this, right? I earned this money. There's something, something great about working hard and receiving that, the benefit of working hard and feeling good about it. You know, as Paul traveled land as evangelist, he worked hard, didn't he? He went from place to place. He traveled. It was hard work going from place to place, facing the opposition that he faced, having the burdens for all these people who had lost. It was hard work for Paul. But what was interesting is not only was he an evangelist, but he also was a tent maker. And so he, he worked to provide for himself. Why? Because he said, I don't want to be a burden to you, and I don't want to be a bad example to you, and I don't want to come in and say, okay, you need to give to me because I'm an evangelist and you're going to give and you, know, you need to take care of me, right? I don't want to do that. I want to care for myself. I want to provide for my own needs so that I don't look to be a burden to you and you don't look down on Christ because you think that I'm lazy or I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to work hard so that you see that I am taking care of myself. We need to make sure that we work hard and do our best in whatever God calls us to do. Whatever job um, God gives you, work hard at it. It may not be the, the, the job that you want, that you think you're going to have for the rest of your life, but whatever job gives you, God gives you, work hard at that job. And whatever call, call God gives you in this church, work hard at that call. And if you don't feel like you have a call yet, then talk to me. I'd love to help you find that call. Find a ministry. Find a way to serve. Find a way to work hard for the Lord to benefit those around us. God wants us to work hard. God wants us to be a good example. He says in verse 34, You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. I'm going to be a good example to you and not only that, because I have my own money, right? I can give out of my own money. And everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I've said this before, I think, but we all have something that we can give to someone else. There's always someone who is weak or, or struggling. Most of us, including myself, give out of our excess. I don't know too many people that actually give in a way that they really feel the hurt of giving, right? They really don't give to a point to where they say, I don't know how I'm going to live tomorrow. We just give out of our excess. But even then, that's good. We need to give to those around us. If you go through the scriptures, you'll see time and time and time and time and time and time and time again that God says, care for the weak, care for the hurting, care for the oppressed, give to those who have needs, give to those who are poor. You who have, give to those who do not have. You will find that scripture and that teaching throughout the Bible, time and time and time again. We need to be convicted of this this morning. I need to be convicted of this this morning. I need to give to those who are weak. I need to give to those who are poor. Not just money. Not just, I mean, I've experienced this before, right? I've given, and then people come back to me like I'm their bank, right? You can give in a way 
where people will take advantage of that giving. And so you need to have wisdom, right, when, when you give. You need to have wisdom when you give. When we, were, um, when we first had children, we were very grateful because we were just starting out. We didn't have a lot of money. And there was a number of people. You know, little kids' clothes, they don't wear out really. I mean, by the time they grow, the, the clothes are still almost new. And we had a lot of people giving us clothes, especially for Tyler, more so for Tyler than Tiffany, but for both. And we were so grateful to have these clothes for Tyler and Tiffany that people had given us. We were so blessed by the gift of clothes, right? They didn't need them anymore, so they passed them on to other people. There's things all the time when we can give to other people. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And the key here is, is joyful giving. If, you, if I, you hear my words today and you feel guilty, and then you try to do what I'm asking you to do out of guilt, you will not be blessed. You will not be blessed because it's not coming from your heart. You have to pray to God, God, change my desire. If you, if you are not just a joyful giver, you have to say, God, change my desire so that I want to give. I want to give. One of the funniest scenes in a movie I ever saw, I don't even remember the name of the movie, Jennifer Aniston was in this movie, and um, Vince Vaughn was in the movie. And she got up after dinner and she went to do the dishes, and he went over and he sat down on the couch and started playing video games. She's like, really? You're going to play video games while I do the dishes? He's like, okay, I'll come do the dishes. So she, she starts to walk over and she's like, no, I don't want you to do the dishes. She's like, what? You just asked me to do the dishes. She's like, no, I want you to want to do the dishes. He's like, how can I win, right? But the key, I mean, that was a good point. I don't want you to come out of guilt and come and do the dishes. Then you're going to have this bad attitude. And No, I want you to, to look at the dishes and say, wow, you know, she cooked a great meal. I should really help. I should do something, right? And I should want to do this. Because there's a big difference between doing something that you want to do and that you're compelled to do or doing something out of guilt. So don't do it out of guilt. Do it out of love, because when you give with a joyful heart, you will be blessed beyond measure. I guarantee you that. You will be blessed beyond measure, especially when you see the joy of those who receive from your giving. The key is we're called to give, and when we give, not only do we bless people, but we ourselves are blessed. We bless others as we share the love of Christ. We bless others as we share the love of God. We bless others as we help them understand what Jesus can do to give them purpose and meaning and transformation in their life. We bless others when we give them salvation. Let us pray.